Hey there, it's Seb Fry, the real estate guy, and you know, today I went down to the Santa Cruz County Planning Commission meeting where they were talking about uh, making changes to the Santa Cruz County Vacation Rental Ordinance, and they were also talking about possibly adopting the Seacliff Aptos Designated Area Vacation Rental Permit Restrictions like you currently have in the Live Oak Designated Area. There was a lot of opposition to that among the people, and uh, this is a recording of the whole entire uh, proceedings. You might find it interesting, uh, or you might find it very boring, but I thought I'd make it available to you. Uh, at the very, very end is where they draw the conclusion, so if you want to know what the ultimate conclusion was, uh, just skip to about the last three minutes of this recording. All right, thank you so much for uh, listening. Have a great day. I have communicated with the Santa Cruz Realtors Association, the Rio Del Mar Improvement Association, the Secret Improvement Association, um, related to item number seven. Thank you. Sure. I, have a one to um, I had a conversation with Joe Foster of the Santa Cruz Business Council last week about item seven and eight. Okay, thank you. I need to also add, I also spoke with Joe Foster about item seven and eight. Okay, good. Thank you very much. And uh, we have a small period every hearing of oral communications where we invite anyone in the audience who wishes to speak to an item that is not on our agenda to come forward. Is there anybody? Uh, please do state your name. My name is Steve Rappaport, and um, I live at uh, 122 on court in Aptos. And my wife Sandy and I want to read a, a statement concerning the uh, ordinance. Wait, wait. Um, this period of oral communications is about items that we're not going to hear today. We are going to hear this item. This is, uh, well, we've looked at the ordinance and the proposing an amendment. Which, which ordinance? The rental vacation rental ordinance. We, we're proposing we, an amendment. We are going to hear that in about a minute. Okay, so will we get a chance to read our ordinance? Absolutely. Piece from Absolutely. Okay, thank you. Um, oral communications right. is for something that we're not going to hear today. Anyone else who wants to talk about something we are not going to hear this morning? Okay, seeing no one, I'll close our oral communications and we'll move on to approve a couple sets of minutes. First from October 8th, I'll be the state since I wasn't here. I'll move approval. Second. Okay, motion is second. All in favor say aye. Aye. And the minutes for October 22nd. Move approval. Abstaining. Okay. All in favor say aye. Aye. Okay. Now we can move on to our continued item this morning. Okay. Item number seven is a public hearing to consider amendments to County Code Section 13.694, the Vacation Rental Ordinance, to expand and refine portions of the ordinance regarding adding bedrooms to or increasing the size of an existing vacation rental, local contact information violations, and to apply the libel designated area vacation rental regulations and limitations to a portion of the secret after session. Code chapter 1310 coastal ordinance. And we'll start out with the nine planner. And we'll start out with the uh, we're just going to quickly nine proposed changes coming code as I mentioned um, one of the changes would be to apply the regulations to um, it would do several things effective January 1st of next year. It would uh, limit all the vacation rental permits in that area to five years um, with the possibility of removal. There would be a presumption that the, uh, the permits could be renewed. 
unless there were violations, that kind of thing. Uh, it would limit the number of vacation rentals to no more than 15% of all the um, parcels that allow those in that area. And um, no new vacation rentals would be allowed on the block if the existing vacation rentals totaled 20% or more of the parcels on the block. And this is the area that would be to which these regulations would be applied. And the, the green um, dots there are existing vacation rentals. The um, amendment would also require an amendment to an existing vacation rental permit if there's a proposal to add a bedroom or bedrooms or to demolish and rebuild a structure that would be 50% over the size of the uh, existing structure. And again, it's presumed that those would be approved, again, unless there were some issues with the, with the vacation rental. Also starting next year, the local contact person information is submitted to the auditor, controller, treasurer, tax collector, and proof of mailing of the contact information to required recipients be submitted to planning. Uh, require a picture of the required sign. There is a sign that's required currently for all vacation rentals that says this is a vacation rental. Um, require that to be submitted as part of the amendment or renewal. Continuously maintain that sign while the property is being used as a vacation rental. Expand the meaning of significant violation to include uh, things such as uh, false information on the application, failure to pay transit occupancy taxes, uh, verified uh, complaints or violations. In a situation if a vacation rental permit was revoked, uh, don't um, another vacation rental permit for that same person on that same property for two years. Modify the definition of vacation rental to um, specify that we're talking about the rent of an entire house, not something like a room in a house, an Airbnb or something like that. And clarify that um, outside of the loda and say that to that be approved, that permits don't um, expire unless uh, a vacation rental permit has the property hasn't been used as vacation rental for three out of any consecutive five So I want to go into uh, uh, some maps now and, and give you some idea of the percentages. Yeah. That's a couple questions. Um, is there, what's the fee for having a vacation rental permit? It's about $400. And would that be required uh, at renewal each renewal? Typically, uh, a renewal would be how price. That's the typical thing we do for those. And what are we current, how, what's the period for renewals now? It's five years in, in the low that it's five years. That was part of the original vacation rental permit. So what's the change? The change, if, if you approve this, the change would be to apply those lower regulations to the Seacliff Aptus area, including requiring the permits there to be limited five years. Currently, they aren't limited. Okay. And if the definition of vacation rental is the whole house mm -hmm. and not a room in the house, how do we regulate people who are in a room? Not? We don't? There are only three um, provisions under county code that allow for renting rooms and so forth. One is a motel, hotel, one is vacation rental, and one is bed and breakfast. And of those, for a single family dwelling, the bed and breakfast is the only one that would allow you to rent individual rooms. So that's how we regulate it currently. That's, those are the three ways that we can regulate. 
Steve, may I ask one question to you? Oh, I'm sorry to interrupt. Um, looking at this slide, the vacation rental permit, if a vacation rental permit is revoked for two years after um, they can't get the permit, in the, looking at um, page three, number six, on the staff report, um, it says provide that if a permit application is not renewed or is revoked based on a violation, um, so, in, in what you're proposing, is it is the two years uh, is the two years just for someone who's revoked because of a violation, or is it for someone who fails to renew? It would be just the revocation. Okay. And I, the thought is that if someone there could be married reasons why someone fails to renew. Right. There might be life circumstances, whatever, and it, it doesn't seem appropriate to penalize okay. them further for that. I totally agree. Okay. That, that's not clear. The way it reads is, you can't, her question is, I was going to ask the same question, you can't really tell exactly what that says. It says, if it's not renewed or is revoked in on violation, no permit shall be approved. And I think you want to clarify that. Again, where, where are you reading? Um, um, on page 3, item 6, just on the, on the staff report. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I was looking at the board. Yeah, it, throughout the rest of it, it is it does say have a information or 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 Sorry, Well, we really aren't providing for the future much here because the three ways we provide for vacation rentals aren't really much. There's so many people do it differently. Okay. First of all, there's not three ways to provide for vacation rentals. There's three ways to provide for renting a house or a portion of the house. Okay. You get motel, well, motel, hotel doesn't wouldn't be for a house, but for a house, there are two ways. That's a B&B and a vacation rental. A vacation rental is specifically for the entire house, and we purposely are saying that because we want to clarify that that's not something like an Airbnb, something like that. That would fall under our, um, our uh, bed and breakfast regulation, and it may be that we need to modify the ordinance to have a separate thing for something like an Airbnb, but currently that's what we have. Okay. So um, moving on to the um, first of all, here's a, a this chart shows you the percentage of vacation rentals um, in the areas um, on streets that are right on the beach, such as Pacaway Beach and Las Olas, and then down near the bottom, Rio Del Mar Boulevard, Beach Drive, and Via Gaviota. And um, interestingly enough, the highest percentages of vacation rentals are not in those areas. They are at the south end of Mar Vista, which is just a very small in just a few parcels, uh, Marina Avenue, Stephen Road, and then Venetian is just slightly over that 20%. Um, and I want to go into, this, into the maps themselves. Can I ask you a question about that last chart? In your view, um, can you list the number of permitted vacation rentals? Uh, can I plan to think that there are unpermitted rentals being used as vacation rentals in these areas? There might very well be. We have no no way are you guys actively following up any reports of any or sure if someone complains about it, yeah. But I don't know what you view these numbers to be an accurate representation of the total vacation rentals there. 
with the information that we have, yes. So again, these maps will just show the areas and have that same information on them. Hawk Valley Beach doesn't have any limited uh, vacation rentals. Los Olas only has two, or three, I'm sorry. Uh, an overview of the Seacliff area, the Mar Vista, that very high percentage uh, there is um, right at the center of the slide. I apologize for the uh, lack of uh, sharpness of the Mar Vista right at the very end of it. And, uh, We'll get into that right here that's on the left. There are only seven parcels on the, that block, and three of them are on vacation rentals. An overview of the Rio Del Mar area. This is, again, where the higher percentages occur. Um, Marina Avenue, Stephen Road, um, down in just a, two blocks up from the beach. And then maybe coming in more, um, Marina. Uh, between Aptos Beach Road, which is the center street there in Moosehead, is 43% there. The other side of Aptos Beach Road, or drive on, uh, uh, on Marina, is 33%. And Stephen Road, one block up um, on the right-hand side, is 43%. And then Venetian Road between Aptos Beach and, and Stephen is at 21%. And there's some, a couple of reasons for these anomalously high percentages, and that has to do with the zoning. Marina Avenue on the uh, northerly side is residential, on the southerly it's commercial, and so when we're counting uh, parcels to determine the percentage, we can only count those that are what we call vacation rental eligible, so they could have a vacation rental. Commercial properties cannot. There is one shown in the commercial area there, and that was one that um, specifically got a permit for that, I believe, in the 90s to construct two vacation rentals. So that's why that's there. But so far on, on Marina Avenue, um, again, we could only count the parcels that are residential. We couldn't count the, the uh, commercial ones across the street. If we did, it would be somewhat less than the 43%. And similarly, the other side of Marina, um, same kind of thing. You've got the commercial area there. Venetian Road, you have that situation with the commercial properties across from some of, of the uh, residential properties. And also with Venetian and Stephen, you have the um, motel there where it shows all what looks like little tiny parcels. Um, you have one large parcel there, so on Stephen, if you're counting the parcels, you get the, the parcels along Stephen on the north side. Then on the south side, you only get two because of the um, single parcel for the and, and uh, Venetian is also um, affected by that. So that's that's why we have those uh, high numbers there. They would still be in the 30% range. Uh, those 43% would come down uh, some if we were able to count those commercial parcels too. And um, the real Del Mar Boulevard is highlighted just because of the way that we were talking about um, the parcels that would be included in that. And that's 22% right now. We thought that would be much higher than that. Um, but according to our GIS information, it's only 22%. I mean, that may be, uh, I want to know who he is. You keep saying we and our. I don't know who he is. Could you clarify that? Well, we can't take out of our comments that are not on the record, but the gentleman is pointing out that we haven't identified uh, the staff report was done by whom? 
The staff report was written by me, Steve Guinea. The information we have is from RGIS. We as the planning department, the, the staff of that planning department and GIS. Thank you very much. Satisfy your question. Yes, thank you so much. Um, so that's the information for Rio Del Mar, that portion of Rio Del Mar Beach Drive. Um, north, and I just broke it up into north and south here because it's easier to see. But the total for Beach Drive in terms of the emails is 38%. And then finally, on Via Gaviota, it's right at 20%. Now. So those are the percentages there and back to the, the chart. So one of the so what we're recommending is that your commission open the public hearing and then um, make a recommendation to the Board of Supervisors to approve the ordinance. Uh, however, we do request that your commission, as part of your recommendation, include the, your considered opinion as to whether there should be different percentages in the areas um, that have existing very high percentages um, and uh, that you pass that on to the uh, Board of Supervisors and uh, for example, on Beach Drive, there are very few um, residents on Beach Drive. You may want to consider um, certainly a higher percentage there. The other areas, too, but that's up to your commission after hearing the comments from the public and discussing it amongst yourselves. Um, and that concludes the staff presentation. Hey, any questions, please? Uh, thank you, Mr. Guinea, for that part of those overhead pictures are really informative. You have some questions. Um, I have some comments after I hear public comment, but I have some questions now about your presentation. Um, in reading letters in the record, came in on this item, it appears to me that there's some misunderstandings on behalf of some of the letter writers, or in my mind, so I want you to clear that up for me. Um, I've seen people saying that they don't want to now be imposed with a burden that their vacation rental have to have a sign. Is that a misunderstanding? Does the vacation rental ordinance now require that there be a sign on all rentals? Yes, it does currently require that. So any rental, any permitted vacation rental now is supposed to have a sign. So that doesn't represent a change in that. Also, isn't it? I read one letter at least where someone said that they were fine being the contact person out of the area. Uh, isn't it true that the current ordinance, if you have a permit, that you agreed to have a local contact person within 30 miles? That's correct. Thank you for that. I'll reserve my comments for after hearing the public next. Any other questions? Can you turn the sound down a little bit? We're getting a lot of feedback here. Thank you, Chad. Can you still hear me? Thank you. That's a little better. Okay. Uh, I'll go ahead and open the public hearing then, and so we can hear from members of the public. If please, I invite you to come to the microphone. You have to take about five minutes to tell us what you'd like to say, and start by telling us your name and where you live. Thank you. Good morning. Um, my name is Steve Rappaport, and my wife uh, Sandy and I um, have a residence at 120 Court in Atlas. And I have another three little statements that we put there. Um, we're here to propose an amendment to the vacation rental ordinance. Our amendment would apply only to shared or common wall residences. For a vacation rental permit to be granted, it would require the written consent of an adjoining owner where the owner shares a common or shared wall with the vacation rental applicant. We've addressed some of the issues we are having with vacation rental permits being granted at a specific block that is Tiburon Court. 
off Seascape Boulevard, the road up from the tennis court to have Seascape. To describe the situation, we share a common wall with a new neighbor. It's a duplex. We live on one side and the new neighbor lives on the other. Who has applied for a permit for vacation rental that, according to the audience, will allow for a two-bedroom unit up to six adults and unlimited children, under 12, along with the 12 guests to occupy on the other side of our wall for periods of up to 30 days. We find this a bit horrifying, as our family has occupied our residence since 1991 without such a concern. This would be like setting up a motel hotel on the other side of our adjoining bedroom walls without even an on-site manager, and there's no requirement for even a business license to operate this motel hotel. Even the bed and breakfast has more restrictions. We are afraid that not only will the quiet enjoyment of our property be affected, but that property values will decline for ourselves as well as others who are not interested in vacation rental income in our area, and who simply wish to enjoy ownership or long-term rentals without external problems. The negative declaration under the California Environmental Quality Act that you are considering has not adequately addressed issues presented on our block. That is the block of Tiburon Court, north of Seascape, Boulevard, just two blocks up from Sumner Drive. On that block alone, we have 36 family residences plus four shared parking residences, most of which are common walls. Parking scarcity is already a problem, particularly on weekends, and with added tennis club overflow events and noise, is often not addressed by cost of sharing. It's too busy to do this. Please consider the impact of increased parking demands, noise, the effect on market value of properties that will happen in the future in this neighborhood if vacation rentals are committed even at the 20% level that's being proposed then to the ordinance, which would allow eight vacation rentals on already densely populated block. Also consider how this would alter the composition of our single-family residential neighborhood without rezoning by making it quasi-commercial without requiring even a business license. Also, please consider the increased number of sheriff's complaints. And they will probably go on answer for those. The water scarcity issues, the potential vandalism increased for vacancies posted, the increased fire danger, and the fact that the security of the entire neighborhood would be compromised for the transient population, let only aggravation to the long-term occupants and others, such as itself. The negative declaration doesn't seem at all adequate in addressing these issues on our block. While we think even 20% vacation rental occupancy is too high um, in a densely populated block, we propose a mitigating solution. At the very least, please require the written consent of the adjoining owner on the other side of the common shared wall with, with the vacation rental applicant before a vacation rental permit can be granted. The written consent of the adjoining owner might at least be considered a mitigating factor. Please do consider this proposed amendment to the vacation rental ordinance. Thank you. Could you repeat your name, please? Yes. Pardon? Stephen Rappaport. And my wife is Sandy Rappaport. Thank you. And I believe uh, some letters and emails are included in the package there, along with 3,000 other ones. Thanks again. Thank you. Next person. My name is Jim Floyd, I live at 214th Avenue, and uh, I want to come here today to express my uh, agreement with the ordinance and support the ordinance as it has been proposed. I feel that we have a residential zoning in our neighborhoods for a very valid reason. 
is to promote a sense of community, it's to have a neighborhood that can be a functional neighborhood, and also those children in that neighborhood can populate our schools. We have lived with and without the vacation ordinance in our neighborhood. Uh, I've been on 14th Avenue for 35 years and watched the neighborhood change dramatically. Uh, 12th Avenue, we, what we call Ghost Street because of the lack of residents living there and the amount of vacation rentals. Uh, the proposed ordinance as written and also amended, I think, benefits the community. It's a good check and balance on a vacation industry. It puts some constraints on those people that are renting their homes out. We've noticed since the ordinance went through with a sense of commitment, the people that are now renting vacation homes follow under guidelines and the scenario has become much better. It's a first step into getting neighborhoods back to the feel of the neighborhood <clears throat> rather than a commercial residential hotel zone. So I commend you all for listening for this uh, proposed amendment today. I support the gentleman's comments uh, prior. I think he brought up some very good points which uh, could be considered for that ordinance. And I feel that, again, it's a very strong and positive step to keep our residential communities viable, intact, and a functionality in a community. So for those reasons, I support that, and I hope that you will follow through accordingly. Thank you very much. Good afternoon. My name is Paul Bailey. I'm a resident of Aptos, raised my family in Aptos. Our grandfather uh, owned Deer Park in the 30s, moved it up to where it is, lost his half of the restaurants in the poker game in the <laughs> early 50s. Uh, we now have a business in Aptos. We're very supportive of the Aptos community, uh, very involved with the Aptos community. and. Um, I am here speaking for my concerns for the community. The um, Aptos community, Seacliff and Rio de Mar, was, were began in the 20s, maybe 30s. Seacliff was began when they pulled the cement ship up as a tourist destination area. Rio de Mar was began as a tourist destination area. They built the hotel. The original shares, if you bought an original share of the golf course, you got a lot for free. Um, relative did that. But uh, Rio de Mar and Seacliff were built based on the vacation user and people coming to our community. Different than the man gentleman with the home on 12th Avenue, um, the purpose of Aptos and Seacliff has not changed in 80 years, 100 years, uh, close to 100 years. The um, last evening in the news, um, Channel 46, and our supervisor, I have him quoted, I wrote it down and took, was careful about it. They asked him the purpose and what's going on here and what's up. His answer was, um, how, do we, how, do we not, how do we meet the balance of the neighborhood's needs and the individual homeowner's needs? 
but still not allow, over the course of time, the overall character of our community to change. I submit that he is engineering our, the character of our community to and altering the course that it has been, the path it's been on for 80 to 100 years. I am not aware of a large community uprising. Um, so I think this, I think we're being managed for government needs. The overall future of Aptos and Rio de Mar and Seacliff should be planned, and it should be well thought out. But with study and discussion with the community, I think this has selectively been brought to the community and to different organizations. I think it has been stated that it's been taken to those communities and discussed with them, have those organizations discussed, but it is not said whether those organizations support it. I think it was stated in a way to say that they have communicated with the community. I think there should be meetings in the um, tennis club at Rio de Mar. I think there should be meetings in the tennis club at Seascape. I think if Mr. Allen, who is a benefactor, or benefactor of this ordinance, um, should have meetings in his room in Rio de Mar at the um, Rio Sands with the community and discuss this. I think to propose a large change, which I view as a large change by Mr. Guinea, to change the percentages by you guys, I think that should be discussed by the community. What's the right percentages and what do we want to agree with? I think the community is wise. I think the community would be smart. But I don't think our supervisor is taking this to the community. Um, our supervisors and our elected officials are there to represent us and the community. I, I don't think we're there to play, he's not there to play the leading role in a reality show named Father Knows Best. And I think that's the direction this is coming off in. And I think we need to get back to the streets. And if there are major changes to be made, they should be made with conversation. I know we just had a slide up there where individual properties are in yellow. My brother and I had 134 and I believe 136 Venetian approved with a vacation permit. Not, one of them was not, wasn't on that slide. So I know there's not there's properties that weren't on that slide. I also know if you go to various websites, HomeWay, different places, it's pretty easy to research who's doing what with vacation rentals. I think that should be audited. I think the overall impact of what this is and what's there should be audited. I think there should be a community study. Mary Ann's moved in to open an ice cream store. Now you're cutting them off at the knees. There should be a community study with our businesses. This is a big business impact. Thank you. And then Shepard, why don't I ask a question of staff? Um, so if they, if a vacation rental did not show up on your slide, is that because, did you use, base your slides on the permitted vacation rentals? Yeah, that's what okay, I So if there's a vacation rental that did not appear on one of our slides, but someone says, I, that, I, I use that as a vacation rental, does that indicate then that vacation rental doesn't have a permit? Well, either that or there was, uh, it didn't get put on the, the GIS. Why wouldn't it be on the GIS? Why? I mean, typically what happens is when a vacation rental permit is approved, that information is given to the uh, geographic information folks and then they put that on the 
So this person who didn't see their vacation rental should ensure that they actually have an active permit then or find out why it didn't appear on their slide. Yeah, we can, we can certainly do that too if they want to listen to the pressing that. I just came to understand more about the ordinance and um, I have a quick question. Number one is to support what he said right now in regard to uh, the ordinance need to be not voted by you right now, but uh, today uh, opportunity to discuss and bring it back to the, to the, the public. And again, uh, uh, Mr. Friend was voted by us, and I think it's not uh, pertinent to him to make any decision or bring this type of ordinance as a decision, and or you bring it back to the community as we as a realtor are discussing and bringing this to the public and to other professionals. I think it's an opportunity for that. And uh, in regard to the <laughs> chapter, what says uh, it's not going to be renewed to evaluation or uh, someone is going to be penalized. It's kind of unclear uh, which violation someone is uh, upon uh, cannot be removed. If a violation uh, has any level of violation on, on the non-renewal, it's kind of unclear on the paragraph uh, what type of violation someone is not able to remove. Uh, I think it should be specified a violation of the crime or is a noise is a violation or uh, parking a car home is a violation. What type of violation would be not able to remove the... I don't remember the number, but it has uh, paragraph it's kind of convinced. It's not clear uh, if someone doesn't remove for such a time or upon a violation. What type of violation would be? That's my question. Okay. It's something that you can answer or... Uh, or you just put violation there and there is no... Uh, How would that be? I don't remember the number. We have an opportunity to talk about that. Number six, I think. We'll get that clarified for you after everybody speaks. Thank you for this opportunity to speak in front of you. My name is Mark Dillon. I live on Venetian Road. Uh, that's very close to the Rio Vermont Beach. And I've been there for 30 years. Like many of my neighbors, I've submitted a letter for your consideration, so that you have that in front of you. I'm happy to have it made available to you. Um, I've submitted that letter because I'm not really happy with the changes that are being proposed and the process by which these changes have been made. I learned about the proposed changes just over two weeks ago by mere chance from a neighbor who happened to hear about this issue from her realtor. I didn't receive any notice from the county, and neither did any of my neighbors except one, one of the short-term rental permit holders. Excuse me for saying, but proposing to enact ordinances of this nature that can drastically affect both the earning potential and value of properties 
without notifying us in writing by U.S. mail is not acceptable. Can you offer an explanation as to why we were not notified? And can you tell me what percentage of the properties that will be affected by these changes were also not notified? So we, we don't even know if this is a representing our, the area that's going to be affected. How can you draft a proposal that is supposed to represent this area properly without knowing what the property owners want or giving them an opportunity, an opportunity to weigh in on, the, on these issues? So I completely support Mr. Bailey's position about opening this all up to a wider discussion, not just ramming this, this through to the Board of Supervisors. Because we were not notified, have not had enough time to properly consider and respond to these issues, and neither have my neighbors. We had to quickly slap together our letters so that we could get them in on time, and some of us still don't know about what's going on here. I haven't been able to reach them, but of those that I could contact and speak with about this, most responded with a letter. You see, they're all, you have a bunch of them from Venetian Road, and 100% of those are opposed to some or all of, this, of these proposals. I'm carrying all those letters with me right now, and I want to make sure that I can hand them to somebody, make sure that you have all of them. I can do that today. Um, I'm asking you to reconsider the necessity of making any changes based on the response from just a few of us that found out about this. In other words, a huge majority of my block doesn't want to have any this. And I don't know how that would ripple through the rest of the, the proposed area. And I respectfully request that you postpone this whole process until every affected homeowner has been properly notified by mail. Um, further, what is what exactly is the reason or necessity for these new regulations? Do you, do you know what they are? Or, or are you just acting on instructions from the board to come up with this proposal? Have, 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 have these the reasons why the board wants this been presented to any of you? Um, and are these reasons published anywhere? I can't find any access to why, this, why we're even here today. Are they based on actual complaints, or is this some supervisor's agenda? Um, how many complaints exactly, and over what time span, has, has brought this whole proposal into existence? And, and from how many residents exactly? Is it five loud-spoken people, or is it over 50% of the affected uh, people in this area? I'd really like to have answers to those questions. Or is this based solely on some agenda of the supervisor and not actually on public need or outcry, similar to what Mr. Bailey was saying? Unless a large percentage of homeowners are actually behind this, then there's no need to pursue this, especially if there's no actual basis for that. And the information I did finally get a hold of explained you were planning to adopt ordinance that were created for the Live Oak area. And that information refers to a few of the LDA regulations. But it's not clear that those reference regulations are all of what you are adopting, or if there is, in fact, more of the LDA ordinances that are going to be used. And if so, what exactly are those regulations? It's all very unclear. And it's also not clear why you are using their solution here. Do they have the exact same set of problems that our area does? I've lived through the entire range of rental issues in the area in which I live both as a landlord and as a neighbor of renters. And I'm here to tell you that we no longer have any problems. And the problems we used to have were, for the most part, from long-term rentals, not short-term rentals. So your proposal won't address the actual problems we've had in the past. We've already solved all 
this ourselves by being good neighbors and communicating with each other and working things out between us. We don't need or want local government trying to solve a problem. Can I continue? Go ahead and finish your statement. It's not long. Uh, trying to solve a problem for us that does not exist by creating a bigger problem for us by dictating to us what we can and cannot do with our own property. If we do have noise and parking problems, we have a sheriff's department for that purpose. We have a court system that also address these types of civil problems. Again, no extra ordinances are required. We, we already have solutions in place that work just fine should we ever need them. And if these problems do exist for some small number of homeowners, for which I would have great sympathy had they experienced the same firsthand, please don't blanket our entire area with ordinances that potentially penalize all of us just to solve the problems of a few. I really need to get to this, the pictures that I put in front of you, by the way. Allowed to do that. Um, my block has more than 20% residents. The map is not accurate. It's showing houses that do that don't have a permit, and it's not showing houses that do have a permit. So when he's claiming 21%, no, it's 30% right now. And that's just on my block, not the entire street, not the entire nation road. So I don't know where this information is coming from, but it's not accurate. So I hate to see you guys basing decisions on. on that's not correct. Um, but more to that, if you look at the, the picture, the block, the, the block of people that I'm representing, all of which except me could not be here today, are directly behind the hotel. Um, and the, there's a hillside that our houses are built on. We all live on the second and third floors of our buildings, of our houses. So we look down directly into the pool area. It is, it is if we are on the, the, living in the motel itself. So you could make our the percentage on our block zero percent, and it would not it would not help our quality of life at all. Um, does that make sense? I'm, I'm assuming that this has something to do with making it better for people that don't want to live next to renters. Our street is a vacation rental street. It always has been, it always will be, and no single family would want to live there. And it makes it difficult to use those houses or sell those houses for any other purpose. So um, that's my, my main reason for being here is, is to make sure that this 20% thing doesn't happen at all. But if it's got to happen, that some allowance be made for my, my block, which shouldn't be um, subject to the same ordinance that the, that the rest of the area is, because that, that little block is completely unique in the area, that, the proposed area, and probably the entire county. Where else is there a thousand of there right behind someone down with all the noise and stuff that goes on there? Okay, I, I probably need to ask you to conclude. Okay, I, will. I have a lot more to go through, but I understand that there's time left, which is also frustrating because it's like I'm not getting a chance, opportunity to, to, um, to get. Sir, you can also submit your letter to the commission for okay. the record. Okay, then we've read, we, we have read, read your letter. Well, there's other issues that I didn't include in the letter because I didn't have time. Right. To and giving you I'll conclude. Um, before, finally, before you vote on this, I would like to invite one or all of you to visit my block and speak to yourself how detrimental your proposed changes would be to me and my neighbors. I work at home, you can just drop by and further discuss this issue. Are any of you planning to visit the, the new roundabout construction that's going on down there? I live a minute from there. You can just walk up the street and take a look at my block and see what's going on down there before you set a 20% limit on where I live. I really appreciate corner more of you. Um, Thank you. Um, 
have a question for you, just so I, if you wouldn't mind coming back to the microphone, just so I clearly understand you. You're saying since all of your block looked on in the hotel, it's like you're at the hotel, a 20% limit on vacation rentals would think is a very bad idea because everybody should be able, because you think it should be, anybody should, there should be a higher percentage of allowable rentals right. on your block because it's like, because it's like they're like vacation rentals anyway. Well, I don't kind of only two, of the 11 houses that I'm representing today, only two of us are full-time full residents. Okay. The rest are either empty and people use them as their vacation homes or they rent them as short-term rentals. So these ordinances. What we think is that's a very appropriate use because of the location. I'm sorry. You're saying that the ability to have short-term rentals on your block makes perfect sense and shouldn't be limited because because of their situation. That's correct. Okay, thank you. It's going to be noisy no matter what what you guys do ordinance-wise. This gentleman who has a problem trying to create a residential area, I fully sympathize with that. But that's not what's going on on our block. It's just it's not it's not suitable for for that type of Okay, thank you. I'd just like to add something from the experience that I had when the original vacation rental ordinance was crafted. And from my memory, and I believe that I, mean, I would suggest we do the same thing, and I'm only saying this now so that I can maybe address some concerns of uh, speakers that are coming up. And that is in Lime when there were several blocks that were already above the percentage threshold, so there are already more vacation rentals on the block than would be proposed to be allowed in the LODA. Um, I believe that the Board of Supervisors grandfathered all of those vacation rentals in so that no existing vacation rental um, was denied a permit, even if there were already more vacation rentals on that block than was proposed to be allowed. So um, I believe probably the Board would do the same thing, and I personally I would uh, support that as well at this commission. But just. In case that's one of the concerns, I can imagine that it would be. Um, I wanted to make that statement. It was a different circumstance. We grandfathered in ones that hadn't paid DOT. We gave them a certain amount of time to come up and pay all the back taxes they hadn't been paying. <laughs> now, if, if it's been three years into permitting, if we've got people without permits not paying DOT, I'm not nearly as uh, supportive of overlooking that, given the history of vacation rental permits being in place for three years. And not having had the permits and people going to DOT, so I have merits for the discussion. Thank you. Uh, Where is DOT, first of all? Transit Okay. I'm, I'm, I'm really sorry. I have to speak to that because that's the part that I didn't get to. I'm not. Can I'm, please be brief? We have a lot I, of people. I am not currently a, a, a permit holder, but I've been planning on 30 years to be just that at some point when I plan to retire. Because my street is already at 30%, I won't be able to do that. I'll be denied the right to use my property as I've been planning for 30 years. That's my problem. Steve, can I ask you a clarification on Commissioner Dan's point? We're in Lavos where folks were grandfathered in. Um, when, if, if somebody's permit lapsed for whatever reason, is what what happens to that permit? Is that is, is does it does it shrink? Does the permit pool then shrink? Um, or is that an open permit that somebody else could come in and? Since it's been uh, permitted, it would be essentially an open permit where someone else could, we'd say, okay, the percentage that exists there now is whatever, 38%. And so um, if, if someone's uh, in the new areas, that would be up for someone else to, to use. Okay. Thank you. Okay, next person. Good morning. 
My name is Bill Westlow. I own property at 235 Beach Drive. I come here with a target on my back because I'm the person that you like the least in this county. I live on the other side of the hill. I own property here. I've been to 21 meetings in the last three years in this county to protect my property rights. This gentleman should be hired by the county as he's got it all together. And he said it better than I think if we listened to everybody here this morning. You can't learn any more than you can from him. Uh, there are so many factors that have been overlooked, understated, overstated, that is difficult to try to put them into perspective. And you don't gain points by coming here and criticizing the work that you have done. So possibly I could ask some questions that you may want to ask in addition to what you already heard, which is fantastic. We have an ordinance that we didn't want in the first place. We're modifying an ordinance that we don't know why. We have not received notice. I live in Menlo Park. I have excellent mail service. Nothing came in the mail from the County of Santa Cruz. Uh, I got my tax bill though, and I want their $7,000 pretty soon, $7,000 for a property on Beach Drive. And the statistics, I have a little bit of background on that, I worked for Nielsen Television Ratings. You can do anything you want with them. And the fact, how would, uh, I like the comment from the gentleman about the common walls, you would think that everything on Beach Drive is common walls. That news for you. They're not. They're freestanding individual units. Also, you've got an area on Beach Drive where you have 20-foot lots, 10-foot lots, 32-foot lots. I think the biggest lot is only 40 feet wide, with the exception of the two on the end of the 29 on the island. So I would ask you to move slowly, get some more facts, get some input. Um, we rent our property, we've had a permit, we pay taxes to the occupancy tax since day one. We have a local property management company that handles the property for us. I can't quite understand how you could put their target, their contact number on the outside of the building to be called at 2 o'clock in the morning when somebody is too noisy in the neighborhood. That's what the county sheriff gets paid for. So, without further ado, and I've already used up some of my time, I'd like to ask you some questions to ponder before you move forward. So I'm asking you from the start, today is not the day to vote yes on moving this project forward. You devoted an awful lot of time and energy to such a small portion of your housing inventory. All you have to do is look at page five of the staff report. Question, has there been any significant changes in the reported noise disturbance issues at the sheriff's office since establishing the vacation ordinance? Third, is the county unable or unwilling to distribute vacation rental information to the suggested governmental bodies? Why burden the property owner or management companies with this detail where an oversight can bring the vacation rental owner 
one step closer to confiscation of his permit. Do you really think an owner or a property management person that is called at 2 o'clock in the morning can resolve a noise disturbance? Maybe the county sheriff's office phone number should be on the building. This would better serve the ordinance. Need I remind you that the ordinance was not supposed to create revenue, but it came out of the newspaper, if the information is accurate, that there was a million dollar windfall. Spend some of this money to enforce the ordinance, not burden the property owner. If the objective is to reshape the neighborhood into owner-occupied or full-time tenant occupancy, like this gentleman here, I wonder if anybody has queried the support SoCal Water District as to where the water is going to come from. That just tells you you need to wind up. I'm getting there. Thank you. <laughs> I would also remind you that there was significant opposition, significant, to the original ordinance. It appears that it exists on the changes. So please don't ignore us this time around. In conclusion, responsible government should mandate answer to these questions. And now, please put a stop to these ordinance changes for after the real Gilmore. If the problem is in Live Oak, then fix Live Oak. Thank you. I'm an absentee owner, and but I've previously lived in Santa Cruz, in the Live Oak area. As a vacation permit holder, I do want my rights and, to be upheld. I think there's a lot of very burdensome aspects to the new proposed ordinance, specifically um, some of the photography provisions, the public access to our name and address, or the contact person's name and address, and also the proof of mailing provisions. Again, as the previous gentleman, Mr. Westlow, I think his name was, had said, this can be a slip-up, and it's, and it's in-house information. It's held within one department and should therefore be accessed by the rest of the county, within the county. Um, also, as Mr. Paul Bailey had mentioned, this the seaport and the Del Mar Airport have historically been a vacation use area. To restrict the number of vacation use homes in areas that are currently being used as high-density vacation use homes is probably counter to promoting this area as a tourism destination. We do, as vacation homes, provide a lot of income to many local residents. I can't live here because of, because of work, <laughs> but, um, but we provide vacation managers, we provide housekeepers, we provide businesses and recreation facilities with a lot of income. And that's a very viable part of the Santa Cruz draw. Um, so that was a perfect, I think that 
we have to look at some of the appropriate use for the areas and the um, look at the quantities. Also, as Mr. Bailey said, and most of the other speakers have said, I agree with having more time and more community, local resident and business owner involvement in the process because each of their businesses and the neighborhoods and potential for future use are all affected. I'd live here if I could, but again, my work is over the hill. And I, as a previous long-term resident, love this area. I want to see it maintained. I lived in the Loda area. I saw more problems from long-term renters also, having loud parties and very little we could do about it. As a properly permitted and managed rental, a lot of those issues are circumvented. And as the previous speaker also said about water, we probably use a lot less water because we're not permanently occupied. Um, parking, trash, those things will always be issues because we're in a beach community, people come and go. So please, take some time, get some more community and business owner input before making final decisions. Thank you. Thank you. and going into the houses. I've lived in Aptos for 35 years. 
I live on a street that has four second homes on that street. People come and go. They are not renting it on a, as a vacation rental. It is their second home in other areas. But people come and go from those homes. I don't know if, if money has exchanged with them. I don't know if they're renting it. I don't know if it's their brother-in-law, their sister-in-law. But people come and go from these homes, and I think you're giving up control by, by restricting the number of vacation rentals in this area. Thank you. Um, I think most of what I was going to say was well educated by pre previous speakers, but um, uh, the staff report is then available online, ongoing. Okay, and as the revisions are done, how quickly is that made available? Is it basically waiting until the minutes are posted? Or? Revisions to the staff Revisions to the staff reports are not posted when it comes up for hearing is then linked to the uh, hearing agenda one day before the hearing. Okay. So that's the final product. That's the final product. Okay. Because I do saw several um, firsthand that I know of that weren't on the site uh, that are after vacation rentals, um, a few of which are in the commercial zone. And I'm a little bit uh, perplexed why vacation rentals wouldn't be allowed in a commercial zone, particularly uh, Marina, which is on the back block of the frontage there where the railroad is. I know firsthand of at least one rental in that zone that has a long history of uh, successful renting, and if anything, it's less troublesome to back up to a, a restaurant alley than it is to back up to a residential neighborhood. So I would, um, not that I'm a planner, but I would recommend that at least that be a consideration. The other thing that concerns me is. Uh, Changing these permits to be a five-year replicable item. Now, when many of these have been uh, vacation rentals for many, many years, um, firsthand I see the property values in the Live Oak and the Loda uh, have been directly impacted. If you were able to get to a place approved as a vacation rental, um, it's a pretty well-documented fact to get 10 to 15 percent added value to your property. And I suppose last would be. Um, if this does go through, uh, again using the LODA as, as an example, it would be good if you could do at least a mailing to the property owners to notify them of the whatever this, this period is as it was uh, in the LODA when you had on October they gave them three months to sign up. A lot of people never knew and it went by and you know January, February came by unless they'd been notified by a friend, a neighbor, or a realtor. Um, so I would ask at minimum at least mail out notice be given to affected property owners that their uh, property rights are being uh, modified potentially by this and that they get to be given a fair chance to participate. So thank you very much. Thank you. <clears throat> Good morning, commissioners. My name is Rosemary McNair and I am a real estate broker. I come to these meetings often mostly to the supervisors, but I come to speak to you probably as a historic monument, I guess. <laughs> anyway, I do recall that when the proposed vacation rental ordinance came together sometime in 2010, the discussions were placed before the Housing Advisory Commission 
who, and there were hundreds and hundreds of people who came and spoke, and most of them were not in favor of the ordinance that was proposed. The Housing Advisory Commission came up with the, the idea of a registration and a few other things, and we all wondered why the existing laws that we have on the books with the Sheriff's Department, who's supposed to be there when there's a complaint, we need to have that enforcement. Then the other things that were also on the books are laws about noise and parking and all of the issues that were addressed. The process usually happens for an ordinance is that someone, because of some bad apple, comes before their local supervisor, which in this case was Mr. Leopold's district for the Loda, and there were some complaints from a few of the people in that area. When you look at the reports in the back history of that, you will notice that there are very few sheriff's reports. There were only a few. And yet, the entire ordinances were, were constructed on a few bad apples. The other thing that I would like to say is that, we, that everyone here is saying, please give notice to the owners. Please provide some forums for people to come together and make a decision on what, what is going to happen as far as the rights of their property and what they can do with it. Without those meetings, you won't hear the voice of the people. What I'm concerned about is, you already did hear the voice of the people when that first ordinance was initiated and passed, and a very stringent one for the LOTA. So you have to listen to the people, otherwise our property rights are not being addressed. They're not really being listened to. No one wants to have bad things happening. We don't want noise, we don't want loud parties, and we don't have out of control people. And that's addressed by laws that are on the books. So we need to pay attention to that. We need to look at the process and make sure that that is happening. So I would suggest that you notice to every person who is going to be impacted by this throughout the county that there should be meetings and that the voice of the people should be heard. When the HAC meetings were held, and there were several of them, they did not record those meetings. And I thought at the time that was kind of sad that it wasn't happening. So I would hope that you really, really look at that and pay attention to what the people are saying. And as far as the rights of folks in a neighborhood where there is a problem, those rights can be addressed by laws we have on the books if we enforce them and pay attention. Thank you. Thank you. Hi. My name is Barbara Palmer. I, do ha I am a realtor. I'm a resident of Aptos and have been since about 1978, so I'm kind of new. And um, I'm trying to figure out, I am absolutely opposed to this ordinance because I believe it is an infringement on private property rights, unquestionably. And I'm trying to figure out... You mean opposed to the changes to the ordinance? I am opposed or the to the underneath? ordinance as proposed. I'm proposed to the changes in the ordinance. I was, I did attend many of the meetings that Rosemary McNair attended writing the original ordinance, and I actually became a friend of the man that was, that really brought the whole thing forward, because I, I do, and the gentleman that spoke early about the noise and all of that, but I also believe 
the we do have sheriffs that can contend with the noise. You can take care of those problems. I live next to a bed and breakfast, and we have noise. And it, you know, they moved in after I moved there, but we have worked it out in a neighborly fashion. So I'm trying to figure out the motivation, and I've heard these four motivations. Number one, traffic. And then I'm thinking, that doesn't make sense to me. I just drove here at 8.30 in the morning, and vacationers don't get up and commute to this building or on Highway 1 at 8 o'clock in the morning. Can't be that. Number two, character of the neighborhood. Well, that doesn't make sense to me. I've lived here since 1978, and the Sea Cliff Rio Del Mar area, which is in this proposed district area, is bordered by a state park with tent camping, an RV park on the beach, a state beach that goes all the way down the beach, and then a resort. So it doesn't make sense that we are changing. We, this, I believe this ordinance would change the character of the neighborhood. So that argument makes no sense to me. Then I was told, Barbara, we're really thinking 20 or 30 years in the future. You're not seeing the vision. And I am saying, let the community to decide the vision. I attended many meetings for the vision of the Aptos Village. Those meetings took place over six years. And I got my first notice because my kids were attending Valencia School. And they said, come on over to Valencia School. We're going to talk about the Aptos Village. So it was a period, a long period of time, when you're looking at a character of a neighborhood, and I was told uh, 20 to 30 years in advance, deciding in a month or two makes no sense to me. So then I read the Sustainable Santa Cruz County Report, and I'm thinking, you're really affecting businesses to a huge degree. Where is the economic advisor I read the report. She had a, a statement in there that you want to increase, to increase TOT and tourism to Santa Cruz County. She didn't say by numbers of, of percentages. I think right now TOT is 12%. Not by the percentage, but by the number of people paying TOT. They also have a TMZ, a, a, a marketing zone. We have a marketing zone now in Santa Cruz County, and tourists pay that. Every night they stay in a motel or a vacation rental, they contributed to the marketing zone, so now that marketing money is used all over the Central Valley, and I think I even saw some advertising on the, the East Coast. People come to Santa Cruz, we are a tourist, uh, a tourist destination. Come and enjoy our community. So the economics of this is a very serious, very serious uh, problem. And to do this without the economic um, advisor, commissioner coming in here and really working out and doing the studies, I think, Mr. Gertie, that the, what you've had to go through to come to these conclusions, I can't even imagine doing this report. It seems like he's in a vacuum and doesn't have all the information. So. Your, the restaurants, the markets, the gas stations, the contractors who, who want to help, you know, do a repair at a bedroom. You're, you're devastating. We are in an economic, um, we're, we think we're going up right now. The foreclosures in this area three years ago were devastating to this community. And this ordinance is going to hurt the economics and the small businesses of Santa Cruz County. And I think you should... You should just absolutely vote no on this. I, I absolutely believe that. Thank you. Okay, next person. 
Hi, my name is Steve Becker. Um, my brother and I own property on Pier 72 Beach Drive. It's been in our family since 1974. I can tell you when it was purchased, it was purchased as a vacation rental. Um, that being said, I know we've watched the island change where there's some areas, some of the homes are second homes. But I took a short walk down the island today and uh, specifically there was 16 homes with out of the 29, so better than 50% now already have vacation rental signs on them. There's a couple that have VRB signs, so I'm not sure how many are actual vacation rental homes, but I know that there is at least 16 that meet today's ordinance. Um, staying there the last couple days, it is myself and one other, uh, one other, one other home that have lights on in the evening. So uh, it's not an owner-occupied neighborhood. It's always been a vacation rental neighborhood. It should never be restricted to 50%. There's 29 homes in that area um, that have always been. I can't speak for prior to 1974. But I can tell you, since I've been coming to Aptos since the early 60s, that's always been a vacation rental area. And to think that you're going to change the marketability of those homes could be a devastating loss, not only to the existing homeowners, but to the future homeowners. Because how you're limiting every aspect of a specific area that has always been specifically vacation rental. I can appreciate some of the other neighborhoods that are speaking that they're concerned about uh, residential occupancy and vacation occupancy. There's things in place already that control. What I'm asking is number one, uh, say no to the, no to the uh, specific terms that we have now. And number two, if you can't say no, at least say there's been very minimal study done, uh, or incorrect studies, as, as to what we see was, was shown as vacation rentals in there. And it needs to be corrected before there's uh, anything passed. And my, my, specifically, I say no, as do I know that uh, the Homeowners Association in my area also say. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, good morning. My name is Scott McGilbray. I live in Live Oak on 13th Avenue. Um, I have listened to the comments, and I am not the first to say this, um, but I want to amplify it a bit. The process that we're doing this uh, with is, is, is incorrect in uh, the opinion of many people in that there have not been discussions at the neighborhood level about this ordinance. I live in Live Oak. We have the ordinance that occurred three or four years ago. Um, the facts of the matter are that uh, the, the rental units around us, um, the, the, the relationships between the neighbors that influence the way in which they screen their tenants and in which they inform the tenants of where they can park and 
respecting the 10 p.m. curfew is really what makes it work. It's, it's not the ordinance itself. It's the fact that the neighbors talk to one another. And that will be true in all these other neighborhoods as well. But what we have here is we have got the community not having been consulted before you are presented with a proposal and, and asked to take it and recommend that it go to the Board of Supervisors who will then say, well, it's been studied by the Planning Commission, so it must be good, therefore we'll pass it. Um, the last time I stood here was in May of this year. We were talking about a project at the bottom of 13th Avenue where a public piece of property wished to be uh, the, the planning the department uh, staff recommended that it have shotcrete on it. And then the public works department said if it's going to be worked upon, it has to have a fence. And we went and had a hearing here, and the uh, two of you, two of you commissioners, um, spoke to the planning department directly and said, don't do it this way again. Have the hearings and then come to us after the neighbors have been heard. I think this is a similar situation. I think the best thing you can do is simply direct the planning department to go have their neighborhood hearings and we'll go through the process and come up with a proper solution. Um, that's why I've come. I've come because my next door neighbor is one of the people who has a vacation rental. He did not get this letter that was sent on the 16th of October by Kathleen Prevasage. He did not get it. He pulled five other people quickly, and none of them got it. So I don't think we've really done the kind of job that you think we need to do, and we all know we need to do. So thank you for listening. to go 
leave your house, talk to a bunch of strangers who have been partying for several hours. You don't know who they are, but they know where you live. Also, you get to feel after a while you hate to keep bothering a sheriff to enforce a noise ordinance, something that's we're deprived of sleep. We were deprived of sleep on work days. Uh, anyway, that's why the signs are, we believe, they're necessary. Without a sign, neighbors will again have to call the sheriff, essentially putting things back to where we were before the ordinance. And you're essentially asking the sheriff's office to manage your rental. Vacation rentals are commercial uses of residential property. A sign just seems to be a fair trade for the ability to run a tourist business in a residential neighborhood. The second change that I believe is important is uh, regards the provision uh, about the expansion of houses with existing rental permits. This seems to be a common sense requirement, um, just for the parking issue alone. When businesses expand, they're not allowed to count on street parking, but vacation rentals are allowed to do so. More renters means more cars and more problems for their neighbors. Now, uh, one last comment that I'd like to make is that um, I've heard comments today about this ordinance changing the character of a neighborhood. I live in a residential zone residential. It was primarily residential, single-family owners for 30 years. Vacation rentals started to change the character of our neighborhood. More houses were being purchased by investors who never intended to live in the house. Uh, and the problems kept escalating with the advent of the internet and the online vacation rental sites. Vacation rental problems we're getting increasing year by year, and I have to say, the ordinance has calmed things down, and I think it's made things better, both for we neighbors who continue to live in the neighborhood, and for the people who are using them as vacation rental sites. Um, other com communities have similar ordinances. There are similar communities like ours. They have adopted even stronger ordinances. I don't think this is Thank you for your time. <coughs> Anyone else like to speak? Okay, thank you. <coughs> Good morning. I'm a lot of people that are here that I'll hand over in a moment. Um, my name is Robert Bailey. I'm a, a resident and business owner in Aptos. Uh, the last time I spoke before this group was on this issue about four years ago now. And I stand here certainly as a resident and, and voter of the second district. I also stand here as, as a businessman. Uh, I stand here as somebody, as my brother had stated earlier, who was raised here and has, has raised our family here. So our, our roots are deep here in our commitment to this community of Santa Cruz County, and particularly the Aptos community as a family run very, very deep. I'm a little conflicted this morning because I had all these prepared notes and there are many much more articulate people than me that have already spoken, so now I have a page of scribbles and scratch-outs. Um, so I'm going to touch on a couple of different issues if I made. First, maybe just a, a couple of comments. Uh, Via Gaviota. 
The Agave Yoda, by Mr. Guinea's numbers, is already at the limit of what's used as a rental, which looks good on a map. For those of us that live in the Aptos community and spend time down in Seascape, you would, if you looked at it a little more deeply, you'd find that less than half of those homes are owner-occupied. And as one of our property owners on Beach Drive referenced it, is that is what the county is asking us to do is have Beach Drive go dark the same way the Agaviota has gone. The owner of the island articulated that fact very, very well. Uh, we have no bookings in our vacation rentals on the island currently. For this week, there are no permanent owners living on the island, which means you have second homes that are sitting dark. What you're advocating and what has come before us is not the maintaining of community integrity and neighborhood integrity, but it is changing, a proposed change to a community's integrity and character. I, I don't know how else to characterize it that sound like politics. Uh, it's it's going to have a positive impact on housing stock if we convert more of these properties away from vacation rentals. These are second homes, as Karen had said. These are not going to become long-term rentals. The lower rents, they're not going back to the housing stock. The impact on traffic that Barbara Palmer spoke of. Our, our vacation owners stay in these homes. They stay in these homes, they park, they, they support the local businesses, and most of them when they drive, they drive on surface streets. If we artificially limit this activity, we're inviting more day users into our community, which certainly the Coastal Commission has embraced, as has our, um, our, our, our county itself, to bring more business to our county. So what we're saying is instead of come here and stay for a week, come in and drive back home. Uh, and, and help us a little bit with that traffic on Saturday and Sunday afternoons. So certainly no positive impact on traffic. So I do believe that we're not talking about maintaining the character of these communities. We're talking about, through policy, changing the character of these communities. I was a very active participant in the discussions uh, when the first ordinance was proposed, and a lot of that proposal came from compromise. Open discussion, embracing comments from the community. This is not being done as it relates to the community bringing it forward, the community being part of the process. When I met with a local elected official, I was asked what compromise I would propose. I said, I don't see where there is one because I don't understand what the problem is. The answer to that was, then why are we here? I wasn't aware that what we were expected to do as the owners, as the residents, as the voters of this community was to come to our elected officials and, and governmental bodies with an offer of compromise on, on an issue that we didn't realize that we had to begin with. So as I've characterized this to many other people, this is a solution in search of a problem, not a problem that's getting fixed. The uh, historical balance between the rentals, second homes, and full-time residents, that is a concern that I have that it has not been adequately looked into, and the balance of, of, of those neighbors. Do we have any empirical data that demonstrates that? The impact on local businesses. We are a visitor-serving community in, in, in the Mid-County area. We do not have tall office buildings full of people. We, we do rely on our, our guests coming in and out, so I think that's certainly an issue. Uh, Donna spoke to the issue of private property rights, and we want to make sure that, that this isn't mistakenly looked at as a taking uh, and, and a violation of those private property rights, which we all hold so dear. Um, I think we're ignoring history, plain and simple. I think we're advocating change for change's sake. I appreciate what, what the owners on, on Tiburon said as it relates to looking at how you would uh, you would look at an adjoining property owner. I certainly appreciate the comments uh, uh, from the person that, that spoke about the signs. We do own a vacation property management company. And I can tell you that every one of those properties 
has a sign on it. Every one of those properties are in compliance with the local ordinance. Uh, as Karen stated, we have not had a sheriff's call in five years. We have staff on call. I can't speak to privately managed properties. I can only speak to ours. So from a, an ordinance standpoint, the ordinance that is in place is one that works. To propose amendments in the second district based upon what's happening in the Loda is unconscionable and, and I think very disingenuous as it relates to why we have representatives in, in office to speak on our behalf and for our best interest. And if there's going to be social engineering, I prefer it be done by the academics and not by the politicians. Thank you. I know this isn't interactive, but you mentioned you were last year, four years ago, for the first. Were you in support of it when it came to the level? I saw you speak. I spoke several times on it at, at, at the end of a extensive meetings with other members of the general public, with 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 uh, Kathy Grevistich, with with uh, Supervisor Leopold. I am not speaking against having a vacation rental ordinance. We have one. It is working. There is there is. A, a, I can't just say anecdotally because it, it was it stated to me directly that um, uh, our, our representative in the second district receives one to two contacts a month regarding vacation rentals. A 97-page report, the impact of these kinds of changes on the community of Aptos based upon one to two contacts a month is more than disingenuous. I understand your opposition so, to the current proposal, but... In general, four years ago, I believe I heard you speak in favor of us implementing an ordinance. Was that my recollection true? Yes, yes. Yeah, and, and, and specifically, though, as it related to the ordinance that was molded by the community, not the proposal that was initially put out by, by Supervisor Leopold. And I think that Supervisor Leopold could, again, speak much more articulately to my opposition four years ago as it relates to the original ordinance um, than, than I can. But what was crafted and what I spoke to was a product that was created by the community of Santa Cruz County. Uh, but and if I may extend my answer a little bit, because this does relate to my concern, is I spoke in support of that ordinance. I sat in this very room in support of that ordinance, and then watched a member of the Board of Supervisors raise their hand and say, why don't we extend it to my district? What we supported was to deal with a specific issue in Live Oak. And we appreciate the issue that they have in We manage many properties there. We have many clients there because we do have a foot in both worlds. We are marketing these properties to, to our clients, not just managing these. So we spoke specifically to the compromises necessary to solve the issue in Live Oak and then had a, a local elected official raise their hand and say, please add my district to it without any public input. Now, thank goodness the compromises that have been struck worked and were palatable to the, to the private property owners. But had they been not, I would have had to stand in opposition uh, that that day also. So it, it, it's it's it, it's a work product uh, issue um, as as much as anything else. And if I could just one last comment, because somebody did make this comment a little bit earlier. You can't ignore, and if the county doesn't have the capability to do so, the staffing to do it, somebody needs to research the negative impact not just on the local businesses, but on private property values. While I appreciate the concerns of, of neighborhood integrity and character. Somebody before me spoke about the differential created between properties with and without those permits. If you put in place permits that change the character of those neighborhoods, you are opening the door for, for a continued drive towards people buying those homes that are capable of buying them, and when they're not using them, shuttering them. 
That's the bigger issue, is we have scores of homes, and unless you're going to figure out how, whether this commission, through the county, or the Board of Supervisors, to legislate that you can't own a second home, this is not going to solve a housing issue in Santa Cruz County. It's going to exasperate it, because we have an economic engine 30 minutes away that is creating billions of dollars that are coming over here and buying homes and saying, no, let's stay here six weeks a year. Let's stay here over the summer, and then shutter them, because they have no intention of renting them to anybody. No one's going to walk on that carpet but them. And so what we're doing is working in direct opposition, not just to the county economic plans, but even the Coastal Commission, as it relates to restricting access to the coast by those people that can afford to come to the coast and enjoy our life, enjoy that beach, and feed our economy, as opposed to creating a have and have not element. So I apologize. Very long answer. Uh, thank you for, and thank, I'll thank the chair for my interrupting. Okay. Thank you. So, how many more people would like to speak on this topic? We've got one, two, three, four, one. Chair Shepard, may I make a suggestion? If people could line up, that would help things go well, I was quicker. Say if we should take a break now or shortly. That's up to you. I just want to make a suggestion about comments. Take a break. Oh, have this an hour and a half. So we'll take a 10 minute break now and then we'll return and hear the five, four or five people want to come out. Who wants to begin with? I think so. One, two, three, four. All right. Well, I want to speak, but I want to stand up. It's going to be one. Well, maybe the next person could come up while the last person is speaking. That'll work just fine. And that way you don't have to all stand up. Hello. Thank you. My name is Sandra Rappaport, and my husband, Stephen Rappaport, addressed you to the resident. I just wanted to add one or two comments. And we have a residence at 122 on Um I appreciate the complexities uh, with which this proposed amendment presents, and from the comments, it is very complex. Each block seems to present a different situation. While some blocks may have many vacation rentals and don't want restrictions, others like our, our block present a completely different picture. We are mostly occupied by long-term renters of many years and owner-occupied residences. And I circulated a petition in our neighborhood actually opposing vacation rentals and all the two people um, didn't want all the two people that I approached who didn't want to sign did sign and oppose vacation rentals because of our situation with long term renters and owner occupied So, um, as to the noise issue, I wanted to address that. My neighbor did have a lot of trouble um, with the calling the sheriff's office regarding uh, noise of another adjacent property rental. And the chair's didn't respond ever. I mean, everything out. We told her she had to file a complaint. And, and they were pretty unresponsive. So that's another issue. Um, I just hope that you would at least consider our proposed amendment regarding the request for permission of the adjoining owner in a common law situation before you grant that would really help uh, our situation in our neighborhood. And I don't think that that would be much of a change. It would just be asking for permission. And uh, 
hope you would consider that. Thank you very much. Thank you. Next person. Good morning. Joe Foster. I'm speaking on behalf of the Santa Cruz County Association of Realtors. And we've sent a couple letters in. We sent one letter in before the October 8th hearing and also another one earlier this week. So I'm not going to go into a lot of the details of those letters because I'm sure that all of you read those. Um, also, I'm really glad that you took a break because I definitely didn't want to follow Robert Bailey. That was great comments, very, very well articulated, as well as everybody else that went uh, through the, the first part of the session. The one thing I did want to say, though, is at the end of our second letter, we, we did talk quite a bit about how the LOTA ordinance was created. And in 2011, the process that went into it, the public dialogue, the involvement of the, the community, and really looking at the perceived issues that that specific geographic area was facing. And so now here we are three years later, and we have what some here said we have perceived issues in the Seagull Baptist area. Now, I haven't seen in any of the staff reports or in conversations that we've had with community groups or with county officials that the issues are exactly the same, or perceived issues are exactly the same. And our feeling is taking a specific set of, of policies that were created for a very specific locale in the county and applying them arbitrarily to somewhere else it just doesn't make any sense. If there really is or are issues that the Seacliff Aptos area is facing, this is a real opportunity to examine them and to get a really good understanding of what's going on and create a policy, a change in the ordinance that will mitigate those problems. And by just taking something that's already been created for a specific geographic area and just laying it over another one, it's missing out on an opportunity. And so I, what we would say is that if there are these issues that have been brought up, that the county really take a long look at it and make sure that the public is involved and the process goes through the same thing went through with creating the LOTA and make sure that we get this right. So thank you for your time. Good morning, I'm uh, John Serenstad, I'm the uh, President of the Board of Directors for the Short Elmar Owners Association, representing 19 owners who have uh, voted to ask me to represent them by opposing this proposed ordinance. And Mr. Gini, Mr. Gini, I want to thank you for identifying yourself. Uh, I really appreciate that. As a, uh, I did not know who we were as, and I really appreciate you taking my comment and addressing it so that I know who it was from the planning department. So I don't want to be redundant, but it basically can be summed up in the good, the bad, and the ugly. And the good is, is that the Shoreville Mar community is a beach community. It's got commercial businesses, Cafe Rio, Pixie Deli, and they're condominiums. And we are the condominium complex that actually restored parking spaces on Beach Drive. And then, of course, you have the homes on the beach. It is a beach community. So, uh, like Balboa Island, if you've ever been there, it is a place where people come to the beach and rent. So, it, and uh, I have to say that we rented our place weekly for about seven years. And Bailey Property Management managed it, did a great job. They come on Saturday to pick up garbage because weekly rentals are Saturday to Saturday. Our garbage pickup is on Friday. So they contract themselves to pick up the garbage. So um, 
It's a good place, but it's a rental. It's a beach community. That's why people come there. To restrict the number of rentals would uh, absolutely destroy the history of the community that we all knowingly bought into, as Mr. Davis said earlier. The bad is, why is this ordinance being projected into a new community? And I don't know why. I really don't. But my suspicion is that my neighbor across the street, who's been in this community for 50 years, says, I'm going to drop the hotel association word, that there's money behind this. And I just think that is totally bad. And I'm asking for the planning commission to go back to your painters and really, really question the validity of this ordinance. Because the financial gain, this smells bad to me. And I, that's just a personal opinion. I don't mean to offend anybody. But I don't like where this is coming from. I don't understand the reason for this. The ugly is that my wife and I bought our place in the uh, 1990 because as a vacation rental. And the beauty is we've been able to come here and live for seven years in one of the most beautiful places on the planet. But we bought it with the intent that this property that we own would be, become our long-term health insurance. Instead of buying a policy, we plan when we can't go up the stairs anymore to move out and use our private property as income to care for ourselves in the golden years. This ordinance would absolutely pull the carpet out from that, that uh, plan. So you folks have the power and the position to influence this. But recognize that for this one person, who's representing 19 others who voted for this particular stance, please oppose this ordinance. It doesn't work for us. Thank you. My name is John Hibble. I'm an Aptos resident, and I work at the Aptos Chamber of Commerce. Um, I understand the reason that you're reviewing this ordinance, because you asked me. So um, my comments would be that, you know, Aptos has always been a vacation destination. In 1875, Klaus Spreckels um, bought up Aptos, and he built a giant hotel here, and so his friends from San Francisco could come down and spend the summer. And it took three days to get here, so he'd stay the whole summer. Um, and after he died, they sold off the properties and developed Rio Del Mar and Seacliff as resorts. And, you know, the... Uh, the properties were designed and built primarily as vacation rentals and, um, and summer residences. That's why the lots are so small. They're not exactly your regular um, uh, single-family residential type lots. Historically, Aptos generates almost half of the transient occupants of tax in the unincorporated county. Um, that's why most of the vacation rental agencies are located in Aptos. Term is one, tourism is one of the county's um, major industries, and tourism is what generates a lot of the income for local businesses. So we're not just talking about Cafe Real, and Jeannie Harrison, who owns it, is really freaked out about this ordinance, um, or the Pixie Deli. We're talking about Deluxe Food, we're talking about Safeway, and we're talking about the restaurants, and we're talking about every place that tourists go. Aptos is really the home of the invisible tourists, largely because of vacation rentals. 
It isn't just because of hotels that we, you know, it's obvious people. The Live Oak area clearly had an issue, and that's why on this vacation rental ordinance came out, because they are single family residences. But the neighborhoods in the highest in, where the highest density of vacation rentals are, you know, are largely um, vacation homes and long and short term rentals. They're not traditional single family residences. Most of the vacation rentals in these, in these areas that you're looking at for the overlay are below the numbers that you've suggested in terms of percentages. However, because the data isn't really um, bulletproof, there's a question about that. But it, has, it hasn't generated a lot of issues like it has in Live Oak. It hasn't taken traditional neighborhoods and ruined them. Um, and a lot of the zoning is visitor-serving in these particular areas. It's not such a big issue because when I talked to Zach Friend about it, he said, you know, I'm flexible. What if we made, you know, say 100% of the available units along Beach Drive as potential uh, of vacation rentals? He's flexible. That means this is not an issue where we really have to squeeze down the number of vacation rentals. There's been a lot of complaints. So <clears throat> I would suggest that there's some very specific things about what you're suggesting to be changed. Um, and, I, and I think that permits should not be renewed every five years. Um, if the owner or the manager is complying with the terms of the ordinance, um, you know, they should be should not be saddled with the task of renewing the permit, expect, especially because of the way it's worded in what I read that if they fail to renew the permit, we brought this up, that they have to wait two years to get another permit. That doesn't seem right. Um, and the more you add in terms of complexity, the more you require that the county have people on board to deal with this, and that adds costs to the county, and it adds costs to the homeowners who are trying to have vacation rentals. So it it's continually increases the cost of doing business. If they're required to be renewed every five years, then the language in the ordinance should say they shall be renewed unless there's significant violations, as opposed to the wording that I saw, which says, with the possibility of renewal. That's not right, and Zach didn't like that part of it either. So um, there's unintended consequences, too. You know, like alcohol permits, places like the Seabreeze Bar. He's open just occasionally so he can keep his permit because it has value. You want vacation rentals, you know, the people that have permits to just occasionally rent their properties so that they won't lose their permits. Um, that becomes then something that has value to adjust the permit itself, and I don't think that's where your intent is. You know, you can have bad neighbors for long-term rentals. You can have bad neighbors that have purchased the house next door. I lived in Rio Del Mar, and there are places where we have really bad neighbors and we can't get rid of them. So you do get rid of bad neighbors and vacation rentals within a week. Um, what I you know, there, I, I'm going to close down. I realize that mostly what you're looking at is trying to standardize the language and make sure that you close the loopholes and those sorts of things. I agree with all that. Actually, most of the area that you've looked at to, to do an overlay at, I would suggest that you drop the percentage.
percentages for this area because the market is already working. And in some cases where, you know, there may be 80%, like maybe on an island or something like that where there are vacation rentals, but it's not a problem. Where these um, percentages should be applied are the residential neighborhoods in our community because we don't want them to turn into the problem that you have in Lila. But I would ask that you tighten the regulations and essentially this little area that you're looking at, especially below the, you know, south of the railroad track, that you stop trying to arbitrarily impose percentages. Thank you for listening. Anybody else? Good morning, Mr. My name is Ralph Martinez, and we have properties on, uh, on the Oakcraft, a couple of the ones that the vacation rental had permitted. Um, I'm really, I'm opposed to the changes. I do understand that you have regulatory control, and, uh, and I have learned some of that in our agreements because we want more people than they're suited for the class I've been taking the class. Um, I'm not sure how the commissioners could vote anyway on this proposal that's been presented to you. Uh, it's already been identified by several speakers, and uh, I think you've all noted that the uh, information is inaccurate. Um, I mean, it's probably the best effort made by the planning department to pick it up, pick up that information by what they have, but it's inaccurate. And so there's just no way possible you can make uh, any kind of decision, that, and the only decision you possibly make, of course, is my opinion, is to postpone this. Um, the uh, percentages really should be uh, looked at a little more uh, diligently. Along the beachway, there are more vacation rentals versus uh, the way I'm on Hillcrest, there's hardly any. Now we apply some larger percentages, maybe the whole street becomes vacation rentals. I don't think that's what we want to do. That would change the character. And the character of Babcock Seacliff is significantly different than Live Oak. I mean, I, you know, it's great that folks came from Live Oak to talk about it. Some oppose, some uh, advocate the change. But uh, the area is significantly different. And again, I don't need to repeat all the things that the folks here have said. Um, and one thing I'm uh, very disappointed in is that there's a county supervisor that we voted in that uh, has been in office for two years. He is not here, and he is a resident. And if he really wants to represent the people, he should be here. Um, and that's really disappointing. I mean, I, I'm not sure what that's all about. Uh, again, that's, that's what I have to say, so thank you. Is there anyone else in the audience who wants to speak to this issue before we take it back Hearing no one, I'll public hearing, bring the matter back before the commission for consideration. Commissioner Booth, I can see you ready. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm going to uh, not talk about the percentage in Seacliff area because I want to hold my comments on that until I've had a chance to hear Commissioner Marks talk some suggestions on that. I want to talk about other changes and some of the background. Um, my view of what's proposed here and I don't know if you're all aware of the, you know, the track change copy of the ordinance in the staff report was available for everybody to look at. There's two types of changes. One is not related specifically to the CEQA area, and that's some tweaking and modification of the existing ordinance items. And that was what went through the board months ago and was sent to come back to us. And separate from the discussion, the sec I own a voice my support for all of these minor changes. I view them all as minor. There's some changes to 
clarify, I believe, some confusion that there's been in the last three years. So this has to do with things like talking about specifically not having rooms, but, but properties, which was clear before, but now it's being clarified so anybody who reads the ordinance can understand that. And also explicitly adding to the list of things that could get you in trouble with regard to a permit if you have one, like for example not paying your DOT. Um, I would suggest that I'll ask, when a motion comes, I'll ask me for the suggestions on it. That there's some mechanism, if it's not in the ordinance, at least discussed about, you know, you can't send a letter to someone because they didn't send in their DOT, in my view. Say you just lost your permit. There has to be uh, opportunities to correct things. I believe there probably are. But I want to make it crystal clear that when we added this list of things that can get you into trouble, that there's ways for owners to correct things before they lose permits so that nobody gets caught by surprise. Um, in, in general, though, I want, I want to thank everybody for coming. And I, I want to respond to all the questions about people saying that there's not been notice. We heard this item before, and we continued it. Your outpost district, Mr. Emar here, and with support of Mr. Dan down there, felt there hadn't been enough community outreach. We postponed this, even though it was set for hearing months ago, so you all could get notified and are here. And I respond to the comment that it's just mere chance that you're here. No, it's not. It's because your commissioners are looking out for you at extended period. Uh, you know, planning commission has just historically always had short times, turnarounds, 10 days. But the Board of Supervisors, it's only three days. For decades, as a community participant, I would come down here on Fridays and get the Board of Supervisors agenda for their next Tuesday morning meeting. If there was something on the agenda that was of interest to me, I'd come back Monday and request a copy in the copy room of the staff report. That's how this county has done things. With the internet, it's much easier to be a part. You can read things online and all of that stuff. There's nothing specific to this. That's the way the county does business. I always used to wish it was different, and we can make it different if we want to change things, but it's just part of the way the county does business. Um, now, I want to say something about what's happened in Live Oak. I agree with uh, both of these, these speakers that said they felt things had not calmed down in Live Oak. I made the same comment a few months ago. I think the regulations clarified a bunch of things for the people that manage properties, and I want to speak to Is it, Ms. Way, your company's been like a model of how to properly manage beach beachification models. And local contact, 24 hour contact, and no problems. This is what people who are willing to tolerate vacation rentals wanted to see when they agreed to allow vacation rentals in the ordinance and brought their opposition to allowing. So, so I just want to commend you for that. And that to me says things that can be done. And I'm absolutely supportive of all these proposals, separate from the extension of the Percentages, and I don't know if you're aware, it came to us some of these areas were 50% a few months ago. Now they're 20. So whether it's 50, 20, or no percentage, I'm interested in the discussion, but I just want to express my support for all of the other proposed changes. And I'm going to request not that we amend this ordinance when we make a motion to approve that portion, the tweaking changes, but that we send a uh, a suggestion to the board that they consider adding this duet question that Mr. Rappaport has brought up. So if it's a duplex, I don't think we can have this issue. A duplex is a single lot owned by a single owner, two 
and it's on it. So it's got to be a, what's called a do-it-house construction, I believe. Do-it-houses were co-owned at point of development. You know, they have some, they, they can have a zero lot line variance and a double variance on the outside. Um, and those are one of the few places where you don't have CCNRs like you do with townhouses. So it's a unique circumstance, but I think it would merit unique attention. And I'm, I don't know if I have an answer for that to add it now, but I would, I would suggest the board uh, consider adding it. So, once again, I want to thank everybody for coming. My view is that you're all being here shows that there's been outreach to the community. Most of the time we get two or three people for things. This is a very organized and concerted effort, I think, and I've heard all that you said, taking it under consideration. And with that, I'll turn it back so, um, Steve, thank you for all your work on this. And um, looking at it, I, I especially appreciate uh, taking out the database and changing the, the signage requirement to when it's only used as a rental. I think that, that helps with some of the privacy concerns that folks had. Um, on the RAP, the question that the RAP reports had, I wanted to ask, um, within the permit review process, when people apply, is the, in, is the impact of a situation like this part of the considerations at, at this time? No, there's no, no uh, provision to uh, make a distinction between that kind of a, a situation and any other. Okay. Well, I, I, uh, I really support Commissioner Goode's suggestion on how to approach this, because I do think it is something that merits further attention. Um, looking at, I, I am supportive of the staff proposal generally with some details that I would, that I would like to see changed. Um, with relation to the five-year permit renewal, I agree with Mr. Hibble's language. I think that there should be a presumption that somebody is going to be renewed unless there have been violations with some of those specific things. And um, I think I would like to change some of the language so that uh, there's a presumption that somebody is going to be renewed unless there were those special those other violations. And I know when we have a security system and we get a, a notice from the county, I guess from the sheriff's office when we have to pay our fee, and you know that's where I, I, I said something similar to that where they just get a notice. I, I would like there to be there's a situation where somebody's in the hospital or. Some, they, they're not getting their notice or something, I'd like there to be a, a way for them to remedy that and, and pay it. And I certainly don't want them to be penalized for two years when that happens. Um, with relation to the, the maps, so I wanted to ask you some more, Steve, about the reliability of the GIS data that we were looking at. Because how reliable is that information? As far as we know, it's very reliable. Again, when we get um, a vacation rental permit application and it's approved, that information is sent to GIS and they put it on the account. So, and, and is there any other way to verify? <coughs> just because there have been some a number of questions about properties, and I don't know if it's just neighbors thinking that that a place is a vacation rental and it's not, or if, if, it's, if there's actually a discrepancy between what we've got here and what they. I don't know of any easy, uh, independent way to, to do that. Okay. Um, 
Maybe. I mean, I have a suggestion too because I had the same concern um, that Commissioner Imar had, and um, it seems that if there are members of the public that are here that have identified where they think that they know that there's a vacation rental that wasn't reflected in our GIS, I was going to encourage those to communicate that with our planning staff so that we can remedy the data. Um, otherwise, yeah, it is a little bit befuddling why so many folks have said, oh, I know that there's a vacation rental here, yet it's not showing up on our GIS. Um, but, you know, clearly we want to have reliable data, so anything we can do to, um, if, if any help that the, the public, the folks that live in the neighborhoods, who can identify a vacation rental that was not in our GIS, we would ask that you can help us do that. That would be appreciated, I think. I, I agree with that. Um, I know that I would like to see a change back to the percentages in the original staff report um, of 50% for the impacted streets. Um, and I would like to make sure, and, and I don't know, because I'm, I'm not exactly certain of this, the accuracy of this data, I don't know if that's, I may actually want it to be even higher, I don't know. Um, because I want to make sure that the businesses, you know, folks are concerned about the economic impact, understandably, and I, I want to make sure that we preserve things the way they are at present, um, and don't and, and allow for folks who want to retire there to get you know to get permits. I would like to see a change back to the fifty percent, um, so that Cafe Rio um, doesn't have to worry about losing business. Um, I'm glad to know that you said so. If, if it is at 43%, that it would stay at that because I had an understanding that the pool actually sh would shrink if one of those permits fell out. So I'm glad to know that that's not the case. Um, so I think by at least allowing those folks who have permits at present with a, a slight amount of growth as well. That way, you're not changing that element of the character of the neighborhood, but you're also preserving the residential character of neighborhoods for long term. Um, with relation to the notice, Steve, um, all the folks who are on this list that you gave us would have gotten the notice about the changes, is that correct? Which list? Oh, the list of... Um, list of all the streets that are going to be impacted that, that you have here that are 10 percent, 20 percent, okay. So these, all, these folks all got it. And <clears throat> when the notices go out, how do we get the addresses for these? Do we just send them to the addresses on the streets? Because like say the folks who work, who live over the hill who own their homes here, how would they receive that? Sent to the owners. We also um, sent as we, as uh, for most permits, we send out also notices to just address the occupant. Okay. But yeah, the, the owners. Okay, so they should have received this. This all this went out in the mail to everybody on this list. Okay. Well, not everybody, right? It went out to the. You said it went out to the streets that were. Explain that yeah, again, because I want to be clear too. Yeah. The impact of street. Okay. Yeah. <coughs> Thank you. I'm sorry. Um, and with relation to the questions about HomeAway and VRBO, does anybody try? Do we have anybody who tracks looks at VRBO or HomeAway? Also, lay the um, uh, treasure tax collector in terms of the TOT. But other than that, I don't know. Any. 
So generally, I am supportive of the staff recommendation with those changes, um, especially with relation to, I would like to see a presumption of a, of a permit renewal at the end of five years. And I would like to see the um, percentages increase to 50% back what they were with the original staff recommendation on these impact districts, just because of the uh, unique nature of this neighborhood. Okay, thank you. Um, I will not support this um, because I think we've got two separate issues. We've got revisions to the existing ordinance that applies to LIBO and tweaks that you've suggested. That's something I'm willing to consider, but I think I've heard from people here that they are not particularly supportive of this being taken from live oak and applied to them, and I don't support it either, and I don't blame you for feeling this way, and I think it's inappropriate to this ordinance just say, and by the way, this uh, covers a, a community that's quite different in kind and composition. Um, this, the specific issues that were addressed in live oak are not the specific issues that may need to be addressed um, in the Aptos area. I think as there was in live oak, there needs to be a community meeting and let the community come up with some proposals. I, I just think this is being jammed down the throats of the Aptos community and I won't support it. Thank you. Um, great, great. Thank you. Um, I'd like to thank the public for coming. Um, I think that, as Commissioner said, that um, we all do a better job when people come and, and are able to um, share their thoughts about what we're doing. And I appreciate that you're all here because when we heard this back a few months ago and this came to us, like the room was empty, so we all knew something was wrong. Um, so I appreciate that we have a full room today. Um, I, uh, I went through the process uh, in 2010-2011 where um, we went through um, crafting the vacation rental ordinance for the county and crafting the live oak designated area for that specific area. Um, I think we sat through at least three public meetings where we, we really, it was tough work. I mean, there are all sorts of proposals on the table. Um, this um, idea of like a percentage per block and a percentage overall um, was not what the, what we started out with. Um, so it was an evolving conversation that we had, and, and I do think that um, more of that maybe needs to happen, needs to be more, more of a conversation. And I would say we're not at the end of this process, we're not at the beginning, but I'd say we're kind of in the middle of the conversation. So there's still um, quite a bit of time um, to develop an ordinance that makes sense um, for Aptos. Um, and one of the things I wanted to touch on uh, that Commissioner Hemart um, mentioned was um, increasing some of the percentages um, uh, in some of the areas that you know are pretty much all vacation rentals historically have all been vacation rentals and I just wanted to point out um, when we went through this in 2011 and we the county and the board of supervisors ended up carving out um, I think at least one area Pajaro Dunes um, that was you know kind of like the same situation that <coughs> Oh, there are some um, streets in Aptos that are just, you know, all vacation rentals and have been that way. And so I support um, staff and the community taking a look at some of the streets, individual streets in Aptos, where this might make sense to have like a full carve out. 
Um, I think there was a, a gentleman who spoke that, you know, his whole walk was vacation rentals. So, you know, clearly it makes sense to look at that logically and think, well, maybe for that walk we just need to have a car out like we did for Pajaro Dunes. Um, in other areas, I think another speaker mentioned that, you know, not all the streets are the same. And I think that's really, that was a really um, important comment because whereas we do have some blocks that are, you know, pretty much on vacation rentals and maybe we should treat them that way, there are other blocks that really are still single family, mostly single family homes and um, where having vacation rentals, um, have those homes turn over to vacation rentals could indeed cause a really adverse impact on that neighborhood. Um, what we're doing here and what we have done is we're permitting um, a commercial activity in a residential area. And I'm not opposed to that, but I think that we have to do that carefully because um, they're really somewhat incompatible uses um, to have a you know, regular single family home where you're raising kids like I have at home and if my neighbor decide to become a vacation rental where there's, you know, every single week I have a new neighbor, um, that's, that's, um, it, it, there are lots of problems that can arise from that, um, that we saw in my book. Um, so I, in general, also um, support the ordinance, um, and I support the changes that, um, that Commissioner Goof and Commissioner Hemard um, have proposed. I, um, I had a bunch of Oh, I also wanted to address a lot of people brought up, you know, what's the reason for this? And I think that's an excellent question to ask. Um, for me, um, one of the reasons is laid out in the staff report um, on page 6 of 8 when it talks about the general plan and the policy of the general plan to regulate the conversion of existing housing units to vacation rentals in order to limit the impact of such conversions on the stock of housing. So I think that and in one sense, um, we're trying to follow the county's general plan, which is the overarching planning document for the whole county. Um, and then the other, the other um, part of the reason to support this for me is to balance the needs of the um, single-family homeowners who are raising families and whatnot with the commercial activity of a vacation rental. Um, and I think we can do both, and I think we can do both well. Um, I, we just need to do it carefully, like I said. So I will be supporting um, the ordinance um, with the changes that my fellow commissioners, Ruth and Commissioner Hemard, have um, suggested. Um, and I would also like to add that um, staff uh, look at um, specific streets um, that could possibly merit a carve-out um, like we did um, for Pajaro Dunes. You need to explain what a carve-out is for the public. So, <clears throat> what we, do you want to explain that, Steve, or do you? I'm just going to say that Pajaro Dunes was specifically excluded because <clears throat> as a uh, planned unit development, their, uh, regulate their conditions and so forth allowed them to regulate vacation rentals. So okay. they were a self-regulating, self so it's a little different. A little different, okay. So, okay, nothing can be completely easy, right? <laughs> Um, but the gist of, do you understand the gist of what I'm getting at? Yeah, you, you, for example, Beach Drive, you might say that should be 100%. Based on the uh, current conditions and historical conditions of a particular street or... Yeah. Well, if you want to consider a lot of conditions, don't you think they should come back before us so we can look at what... I don't want to 
I'm not in favor of it, but if it's going to pass with a bunch of conditions, we ought to sure look at it again before we just pass it and say, do all these changes, but then send it away. Well, I have a question about what Commissioner Dan said she would support. Let me just address Commissioner Shepard. We're not the final decision maker on this. This is going to go to the Board of Supervisors. So what we're doing is, and that's why I say we're in the middle of the conversation, because we're not the final decision maker on this. This we will make a recommendation, and then the Board of Supervisors will make the final determination on this. So I personally, I feel like if we have some specific recommendations, I'm comfortable with sending them along to the Board and having them toss them around a bit, um, rather than have, a, have to bring these folks out again for another public hearing, and then again to the Board of Supervisors for a time to submit. Which we're more than willing to do, anyway. by the way, to get it right. Yeah. More than willing to do to get it right. Uh, and then you have a question. Lot of people who want to speak. I think 
that what we're hearing is the community wants a chance to be involved before it goes to the board again because they want to help craft it. And I think that has to be respected. I, yes, I, can, make, I can make a motion. It, it sounds like if you're wanting to move some of these forward, but the board change 
our action in the staff report is to approve the proposed amendments. And if we're not going to do that, I don't want to take a vote that says we approve them. I want to amend the legislation that's in front of us to be what we want it to be to be approved. That's a good and if we don't know what we want to do with regard to say I even though I, I want to defer to Commissioner Hemart, if we're not ready and this is our second hearing and there's consensus that this needs to go back to the community, I, I'll make a motion and I'm willing to do it as soon as I'm done here to amend the proposed legislation in front of us. So I'll make this motion. I'd like to move that we approve the legislation removing from section C4 to C plus C cliff Aptos designated area, removing all references to it in the subsequent paragraphs of the legislation. Um, I would second that. Well, the second part of that motion would be is that we, our resolution would have to be updated to reflect that. And then send to the board part that seems to be clear consensus and that we're ready for it. So you're excluding any consideration of the SADA, right? If, if, if there was a clear... I think we really have to... SADA, we got one definition of my phone was not. So let's say what it is. If one of you all had a proposal to amend the legislation to be something that we had majority felt was proper to approve with regard to the Sea Cliff Aptos designated area, I'd consider it and probably vote with whatever the discussion however the discussion persuaded me to vote. But if since we don't have that language here, and we've had two hearings, and I want to get this other stuff through. I don't want to send the board something that's legislation that we don't agree on. I want to have it exactly as we have consensus and agree on. I well, do want to remove the sea cliff out of designated area from that legislation. Well, I always love to have consensus as well, but um, it's not always possible. But um, especially if we've just got four here, um, we might not be able to reach any consensus, and then I'll just have to come back to this. Uh, what? Um, I prefer. Um, doing what we're supposed to do and, and addressing what's in front of us. Um, but, you know, if, if the majority of folks want to bring this back again, yes. that's fine. And I'm majority commissioner, but I, I feel as though the second district commissioner is sending this on to the board as well. I would, I would like to, well, first of all, I appreciate Commissioner Good's position. And I think if we have the exact language that we are voting on, we would be a lot more so, is it possible for us to come up with some exact language to vote on to send forward today? No, I don't think so. No. You don't think so? Okay. Maybe he needs to be listened to. Yeah. Can I have a question? No, I'm sorry, that's, that's no, not. Unfortunately, the public hearing is closed. That's amazing. But that's why don't we go ahead and see where we are on this motion? We have a motion and a second. I the motion is to uh, approve the, the ordinance with the removal of all references to the uh, SADA starting at uh, 131694 C4 and all of that. So I, we do that. Um, I think that there needs to be some, um, because I think the board might be confused what we're doing as far as, because it may appear that we are. Um, I guess I, I'm, I'm okay with do, I'm okay with voting yes on that as long as it's clear that um, we're not uh, eliminating the discussion of having a SADA. That, that it's clear that, that it's going to come back to us to discuss the implication of the SADA 
um, in this area. Does that make sense? I mean, if we just vote on your motion and send it to the board, I think it gives a message that um, we're recommending no SADA, and I'm not sure that there's a consensus on the board on this commission for that. I have a certain sense that we we have a job to do, and if we're not ready to have language and that's the right language, then we should continue again, which I don't want to do because I've already continued once on these other things. So before. could we then split? I mean, then I, I that's think ultimately that what it is. But it, the, the the method is to send to send the stuff we. Is ready to the board. What about, what about if I would like to send, having seconded, what about if we uh, added to your motion, split off SADA, or whatever, I still have a wrong SADA, uh, which is what all these people live in, and suggest, I would like to suggest that there be a public a public study session with the SADA community and those recommendations. Uh, be further to the board, and that our concerns about more public discussion of SADA's fate in regard to um, this ordinance uh, be held before the board uh, considers it. That's all. Uh, can I also suggest? Can we? Is there a way for? I just had a more of a question. Can we send this to the board? The, the part that you have concerned that, that that we can all agree on easily right now. The the parts that apply to Loda. And then also provide information that we uh, that we intend to create the SADA, uh, but we are specifically looking at which streets to carve out, looking at historical data and information to find out which streets have higher populations of vacation rentals to uh, create a carve out. So it's telling specifically what we're doing, but also creating a path for what we can do next. But don't you think a lot of that information needs to come from the community? And it has. They're right here. No, no, no. 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 Yes. Excuse me. We, we, we need to have some work. I think to some, to some extent it, it, it uh, depends on what time period you're trying to get any new regulations either in adopted or not adopted in the state. Um, because any changes in this ordinance, you don't have to go to the Coastal Commission. So. If the, the, the consensus set of recommendations move forward, that's this other process. Um, in terms of timing and staff resource availability to, you know, to continue the conversation about what's right for the SADA, if anything, you know, that could take a number of months. And so there would be some separation between the two ordinances. So I think you have to decide if you're okay with that or, or are you willing to take a few months, uh, a number of months into the future to talk with the community, work out whether something is necessary. Um, because otherwise, I think it's, it's a little messy to have two, two, two separate sets of amendments, you know, coming in quick succession. We had the same discussion last time, and I backed off because I didn't want to have that split. I know County Manager's Council said, be careful about splitting it. It has to go through two coast. But this doesn't sound like something that's going to solve itself in three weeks. And I have an agenda to get the other things, which were the initial set of changes anyway, through. They've already been stopped once for months now. So I appreciate the concern. I'm willing to live with it. I appreciate that you're spelling it out clearly. I don't think this kind of discussion is going to happen on a short-term, short months. It's coming into the end of the year. I know I've heard some of your discussions with the board recently about other regulatory changes and how backed up you all are. I, it could, it could 
take a while, and I want to see these other things through. So I'm, I'm comfortable, despite the caution, from our planning director. Well, I, mean, I don't think that that's what the... What you're, so I'm okay with that too, but I don't... Uh, your motion, though, did something different. So. My motion was to get rid of the sits. So I'm, I'm comfortable okay. having these, these, two, I, these two things, the tweaking versus the, safe, the, the new area, go on their own paths now. So it's a two-part motion, the ordinance without the SEGA, and another recommendation to the board that the board directs staff to continue the conversation. That, that, that part of the motion has been articulated. I haven't accepted yet. that part, but I do. <laughs> yes, the SEGA will accept bifurcating this, so we move on the modifications to the ordinance in Live Oak and make a recommendation to the board that the conversation or the <coughs> The review with the community needs. Uh, would you say exactly as you said it? I thought you said it very well, and I want that language to yeah, to continue the conversation and work with the community on um, potential regulations in the seat of Aptos designated. So, what does that mean exactly? I um, I think that we need to do some. Um, we've gotten a lot of public input that we need to carefully consider and examine the concentration of existing uh, vacation rentals on certain streets. I think that probably an area like Beach Drive should just be carved out and it's already most of the vacation rentals, so it just, you know, there might be other streets like that where we, we carve out and we basically say that they're, they shouldn't have to renew their vacation permits every five years. So what would, so just practically speaking, what would happen after today with relation to that piece? Um, we would fold that into our work program, like, like uh, Commissioner Shepard said, group um, holidays are coming up, we do have a number of other things going through the public hearing and, and community workshop process, but we would um, digest information, do some additional research, probably try to schedule a community workshop with stakeholders early in 2015, um, we prepare some alternate language, some uh, revised map, um, and some, you know, information about where the percentages might be higher, which where the car dots are, and bring that to the community for discussion and feedback. Yeah. I think that sounds like a desirable outcome to me. So I think we still have a motion. Any more discussion? Commissioner Guth? Yes. Commissioner Hemart? Yes. Commissioner Dan? No. Chair Shepard? Yes. Motion carries 3 to 1. Okay. Thank you very much. Does everybody understand the outcome? I know this seems protracted, but uh, maybe a uh, planning director. Many of these people have stayed here for a long time. Would you reiterate what we just decided so everybody goes on to the time what's going to happen? So um, the version of the ordinance that will be presented to the Board of Supervisors will be a, ver uh, a version that does not talk about a secret act on a designated area. Kind of the, the present approach will continue to apply in the secret act on designated area. We, we wouldn't even have the words say that in there. Um, it would just be the current reg uh, regulations, as modified by um, the other uh, tweaks to the ordinance with regard to contact information or you know any of those other tweaks 
you know, just, just removing all the secret backup stuff. And that would go to the board of supervisors for action, presumably to adopt, and then on to the Cultural Commission for it to consider whether to certify our amendments. So the early in 2015, staff will do some additional analysis, um, read through all of your testimony, um, uh, letters and testimony, and propose an, some alternate um, approaches, which could include may, not having any special regulations of SEDA, or having um, the SEDA map be different to carve out areas that are very concentrated already with vacation rentals, and potentially to establish some suites that would be a higher percentage. Uh, rather than 20, it could be 50%. I mean, we'll, we'll, we'll have a number of a variety of approaches, and we'll basically talk about it at a noticed community workshop and receive your feedback on which approach might work in the sequence outdoors area. It's sort of like what we did when we first adopted the vacation rental ordinance. We had a lot of feedback. We continued to make adjustments and refinements to reflect all the community feedback that we got. And we kind of came to a, a consensus, you know, compromise approach that I think has been working out pretty well in the last few years. But we, based on experience, will want to make some tweaks. And one of those tweaks maybe will be extension of the live oak approach to the Seacliff Aptos area. But we'll continue that dialogue. So we'll have more of that dialogue starting early in 2015. And, and the board will be advised. And so that's their, their recommendation to the board, exactly. So you know the board has to agree with that. So the board has to um, maybe adopt the ordinance along these lines. And the board would have to agree that they want staff to go out and continue to work more um, with the community on potential regulations for the Seacock Outdoors area. Okay, that's where we ended up. If you have any questions, please ask on staff. We need to uh, move on to our next item. Thank you very much for attending, and I will continue to follow this issue. <laughs>